Right on writers and welcome first time viewers to the Books by Adrian Author platform. This is Typewriters Podcast. This is a sort of follow-up show to our live stream Sunday flagship show. On that show, we tend to dive into our guests' uh, personal lives, their their journey into writing, and uh, and where they plan on going with their careers. Uh, on this podcast, we tend to uh, cover anything that we didn't get to on that one, but also delve a little more into the craft of writing. I am your host, Adrian Santiago. Welcome. Uh, I just realized that I don't have my podcast banners up. There it is. And uh, welcome. Keep coming back each and every Thursday for another episode of Typewriters Podcast. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff down below. Hit the notification bell. My debut novel, Mythic, Shadow of the Spark, is in the editing phase right now. It will release later this year. It's a murder mystery set in a sci-fi fantasy world, and it kicks off an epic series. So if that sounds like something you'd like to support and someday read, that subscribe button is the first and foremost way of doing so. And it's free. Like, you can't beat free. Hit the thing. Uh, consider getting involved in the community by signing up for my newsletter. The newsletter is uh, linked down below. All these things are linked down below. And uh, through that, you can get updates on what I've got going on in my uh, author platform, what's coming up, uh, exclusives, all kinds of good stuff in there. And uh, I'll be including some flash fictions and short stories soon. So that's going to be really cool. The, let's see, Books by Adrian Patreon is in full swing. If you want to monetarily uh, support the publishing of my novel, that's one way that you can do so is through the Patreon. Another way that you can do so is by shopping at the store where you can get cool stuff like this uh, to piss off Richard Holiday or uh, my hoodie. And, uh, oh, cool stuff like this. Although there's a Tuber Book Club one. It's all good stuff. And uh, speaking of Tuber Book Club, we have the interview with Kent Sean coming up. Oh, no, by the time this airs, we'll have had it already on Tuesday. That's how timey-wimey, uh, wibbly-wobbly stuff works, right? Okay, so by now, we've had the interview. Go back and watch the, the replay if you missed it. And uh, I, it, I'm sure that it turned out to be a great interview, because it always is with Kent. He's, he's a, a font of knowledge. Um, all right, so I think that's about it. Let's go ahead and bring out our guests and get right back into it. Ladies and gentlemen, I just realized that I haven't written his name here, so let's do it real quick in order to not embarrass myself and uh, misname him, Mr. Ben Pick. Here we go. Ben! Hey! Howdy! Welcome. In fact, I'm realizing that it's still not correct because it says guests. You are only one person, not multiple. <laughs> there we go. All right. Nice. Mr. Ben Pick. Yes. Uh, we just did live stream Sunday. Uh, it was fun. I had a great time. It mm -hmm. flew by, even though we ran a little long. Um, any highlights for you? What was your favorite moment? <laughs> Ooh. Um, I don't know. I really like the story of learning to run. I mean, that, that's that's something I haven't really shared with a whole lot of people, and it goes it's back a good one. to goes back to my starts as both a runner and right around the same time when I really started getting into reading too. So that's the foundations of so much of my life. Now. Having that be the beginning of everything, uh, where do you see the whole thing going? What is your vision for your career as an author? That's a good question. I would love to complete the series that I'm currently working on. I mentioned during the live stream that I don't know how many 
books I will ultimately write in that series, but I do have a finishing point in mind. So I do much like how I have that one crystalline moment that I write my books towards, I see an end in mind for the series that I want to write. Now, whether or not by the time I get there, that makes sense and I don't, and I don't need to readjust, which I almost assuredly will have to, that remains to be seen. But I do want to get to that point where I close it off. And then from there, I'll reevaluate. Like I said, I do want to take some time. The, the, I mentioned an idea during the live stream and I want to sort of see that one through. That could be the start of a new series or that could just be a short story, whatever. I, I have a whole folder of ideas of things that I don't, that don't fit into the current series that I'm working on. So I just write them down and I can pick them up whenever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't know what my next series is going to be, hmm? but, but I know that it's not just going to be this, you know, I'm going to finish this series, however many books it ends up being, or there's three or more, and then move on to the next thing. I know that <clears throat> before starting Mythic, I was working on a, uh, a big, like epic fantasy graphic novel series with some buddies. Oh, cool. We were we were plotting it all together. We plotted a huge, like I mean, a huge series, and then it uh, it fell to me to come up with the scripts, and based on everything that we had plotted, and uh, and even with all of that, uh, you know, back work, I, I still could not crank out those scripts to a a a satisfactory, you know. Uh, conclusion like every single time that I tried I just felt like this is not what we agreed this was going to be I'm, I'm not getting there so I realized that I wasn't uh, quite as good uh, an author yet to pull off what we were trying to pull off and I had to set that aside and just you know let me try to make it as a writer first before I try to do this huge project with these dudes that makes sense I mean comics are a different medium too so there's a whole different way of telling a story very yeah it's a very different way of telling the story you know there's scripts rather than the pros and every writer and artist team does it differently too and without knowing who my my artists are going to be ahead of time like I don't know how to write to their strengths yet so I have to come up with a script that is as easily digestible as possible it was very challenging uh you know it's not sure I'll get back to it eventually though oh so so you are going to go back to that I am I I don't think I don't know if it's going to be the next thing I do after Mythic, but I know that it will be eventually something that I go back to. It's going to be, uh, because when we first, like, got, first it was, I had an idea, and I brought it to my buddy, and was like, hey, you know, I, I want to do this comic, what do you think? And I pitched him the idea and everything, and yeah, my, the guy I'm talking about is Adrian Guadalupe, he's my producer, uh, and, uh, and partner in this whole endeavor, and, uh, and he, my best friend since like second grade, like my oldest friend in the world. And he, uh, <laughs> I pitched him the story of the comic and he's like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, no problem, easy, let's do it. And I'm just like, I've never written anything before. He's like, so let's just do it. And I'm like, but you you don't make, you're not an artist. We don't make comic books. He's like, yeah, but we can do it. We can figure that out. We'll just figure it out. <laughs> and, Does he and, not like that or is it just that? Story? Yeah, he's he's all, he's usually like, you want to do it? Okay, let's, let's fucking do it. Okay, but we don't know how to do it. It's okay, we'll figure it out. And that's exactly like what it was for that entire like building of that story. Every time we got together, we would, uh, you know, start plotting things out and run into some sort of a wall 
where we couldn't figure out where to go next and then like we would have to stop there and go and do research about writing in general and stuff and then come back and be like okay so what happened is we haven't done this this prep work that we're supposed to do so let's go back and do that okay cool so we go back and we do all of that because we have no idea what we were doing and then we you're like okay we've done that now let's keep going and then it's like nope we, we can't keep going because we haven't done this other thing oh let's go do that and it was just this learning process where we were all like figuring out how to do it i got you but but when we first got together for it, uh, after after I pitched it to him and he said, let's do it, and we started bringing in more people, we started bringing in his brothers, they're, they're all immensely talented and I'm jealous of all of them, um, they came in to the, the project and it went from a cool idea for a comic book to, okay, we want to write the next great American graphic novel series. It belongs up on the shelf next to Watchmen, The Long Halloween, uh, The Dark Knight Returns, and The Sandman. Like, if it doesn't belong on that shelf, <laughs> why write it? What's the point? And you're, that, you're and, describing and, my top shelf up here. That's what I'm talking about, bro. That's what I'm talking about. I, I, can, I can do this. <laughs> hey! Uh, no. You can see that... I see um, all your trade paperbacks up there. So... Yeah. That one right there is a, le a leather-bound copy of... It's three different stories. It's The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Returns, and I think, like, a Christmas story. Okay, um, Like okay. a Batman Christmas story. Uh, oh, yeah, Batman some... Noel, right? Batman Noel? Probably, yeah, I think I so. I think so. Um, this one is uh, Green Lantern trade paperbacks, Darkest Night. Nice. Um, yeah, actually, some pretty good indie ones. Uh, have you ever watched um, Kevin Smith or follow him at all? Yeah, yeah, I haven't. Uh, I've I've kind of fallen out of love with him recently, but for but for the most part, I I followed him for years, and I'm I'm pretty familiar with most of his work. Yeah, because his um him and his friends did a couple of comics, so they have Anne Bonnie, which is a fun pirate adventure. I think there's only one book of that. Mm -hmm. I don't, I haven't been following it, so I have no idea. If they did you ever out. read his uh, his Daredevil run? No. I Kevin Smith wrote a. a banger of a daredevil story man uh, nice. it's it's low on action and high on dialogue as any kevin smith thing is but it's freaking dope and it's dark and like twisted and, like it's, it's really awesome cool yeah i mean daredevil's always been pretty pretty dark there yeah yeah he he takes it a, a real interesting direction i mean um the setup of the story you know everything that that comes uh to 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 set up the story in the first issue is that uh you know we know all about matt murdoch's Catholic background and basically a baby gets dropped into his life from a previous uh, uh, what seems to be a previous lover of Matt Murdock like here's your kid take care of him bye and but it's not the kid it's the Antichrist or at least that's what Matt is led to believe mm -hmm. and so it becomes this whole thing like what do i do with this kid do i protect it do i you know like so i get rid of this kid like what, what do i do with this kid and everybody's like kind of after it for different reasons and it gets it gets weird it's so good it's a really good one one of the better things that kevin smith has written for sure um let me see. Do you have a plan as far as like release schedules for your book? Because I know that you know that you're writing a series, but like, have you thought that far ahead about like how often you want to put one out? So here's the thing. I would love to get this first book out in July. Yeah. And the the second book I have written, I haven't gotten it through the editing process, but I want to try and like, it's becoming too. It became too much to try and do editing for two books at the same time. But I would love to somehow fast publish that book. If I can get the first one out in July, like ideally July 1st, 
then I would love to get the second book out by say November, December, like right at that cusp, because that's when that story takes place. The characters are seniors in high school. So the first book starts a month after the first day of their senior year, mm. more or less. Um, and so if I, so I figured July is, you know, just before school starts, so that's pretty, pretty ideal for, for a time frame. Then the next one is, you know, right in that winter time, just at the start of winter, late fall. So if I can get it out, then that would be ideal. I don't know if I'll be able to make that, in which case I might just push it back for a while. The third book, uh, it, it, when, whenever I finish writing it, then I can, yeah. <laughs> I can decide on how to, how to do that. But yeah, once I get the first two books out there, I will be writing a lot more. Mm. I've, I think I'm about 20,000 words deep and I don't think I've written in, I think all my writing time has been spent editing the first two books. So I haven't been able to write new material. For how, how big is the word count on this first one? First one is 95. Um, That's not bad 90, at all. 95, 96. That's the not second one is about 85. That's not too big. Uh, yeah, that's nice. See, mine are around, my, my first one is around 150K. Okay. And, um, and I know my I know my second one's going to be even bigger, but when when writing a bigger novel like that, you or at least I want to keep to some sort of a schedule, mm -hmm. um, so that or at least consistency is important. I think because that way you don't lose your audience. You're not gone for too long. Maybe having little short stories or something in between to keep them, you know, coming back. But the idea of like, I think every two years, I should have a, a new big yeah. book out. You know what I mean? And if I don't, then I need to get my ass in gear. That's fair. And so yeah, if I can if I can get the second book out by November December, then I can definitely get the third one out right around the same time. And the third one's going to be taking place the following. In terms of the story, it's going to be taking place in the following spring. So. They they would all flow very naturally, and I can I would be I. Once the ball starts rolling, I will get these out. I will be writing a book a year. So nice. that is that is my absolute goal. That is something I'm going to hold to myself, hold myself accountable for doing. Nice. And we'll we'll see how well it works out. But Very cool. if I don't get the second book out this year, that that will give me a little bit of a gap, a little bit of a buffer for the third book. Yeah, I mean, Ken Sean is is one of those that's like always screaming. Like as soon as you finish a book and you send it off to your editor, start the next one. Yes, just, just go ahead and start. Mm -hmm. Uh, what are you looking for in this book release? What's success look like to you for this book release? That's a tough one. I mean, in terms of numbers, I would love to get 100 within the first month. How feasible that is, I have no idea. How well I'm marketed, that, you know, there's so many factors up in there. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I liked your answer the best from, from anything I've heard. Your, your answer was, you would consider, a, I, I'm almost positive this was you. You would consider it a success if, one person who isn't in your circle of author tube, your your circle of friends, somebody who just happens upon your book, complete stranger. stranger, complete stranger comes in and you know posts a five star review of like this book changed my life, and while I wouldn't, or even this book was really good, this book was yeah. really good. Like I, I don't yeah. need to change their life necessarily, but if if they are a random person that just doesn't know anything about me, picked up the book because they thought it looked or sounded cool off the mm -hmm. blurb, and they read it and they loved it. I won. <laughs> right. And so sort of going the same line, I would want a, a lot of the themes of my book are, you know, making up, fixing, trying to work backwards 
to atone for mistakes. So in, I keep going back to the last three, but I gave a rundown of the book and basically the main character, one of the main characters accidentally creates a monster and then that monster starts hunting him. And because of that, it sends him off on a journey and they make a whole lot of mistakes. There is a scene where there's a couple of dead bodies and just a couple, just a couple. Um, I don't really have a very high kill count, so they're <laughs> nameless peons at this point. But they do everything they can to keep everyone alive as they travel through time because they don't want to create any paradoxes. And things don't always go according to plan. So there are some mistakes, there are some accidents that happen. And a lot of the fallout proceeds into the second and third book of them trying to come back and fix their mistakes. Mm. But I feel like that could resonate with... I want that to resonate with readers. So somebody who... You know, you can see the consequences of your actions, and definitely in hindsight, you can see the, the the consequences and the results. And so it's sort of trying to work back from there to try and fix a problem. Mm-hmm. So I want somebody to be like, wow, that, you know, that meant a lot to me. Or, you know, I can see some of the ways I behaved in the past, and I want to try and resolve to do better. That's awesome, man. Mm-hmm. It's a really great way to look at it. I like that. Thanks. Um, now... Diving into the craft of it all a little bit, where, uh, you know, you, you mentioned uh, that you, you sort of have your your writing structure that you like to put everything into. Tell me a little bit about that. When it came down to actually learning to write and everything, what have you put together into your style? You know what I mean? Your uh, your your way of doing it. Because that's, how, that's what I do. I learn from everybody else and I'm like, oh, I like the way this works for me and the way this works for me. And yeah. like, this is how I do it. All right. Yeah, so I start off with that one crystal moment. Every book, every short story I have, I have one moment that defines it. Usually the climax of, hey, it's this person fighting this person or this person and this is what it means or this is what we build up to. And so I'll, you know, I'm in my basement, so it's very easy because this is where I do all my mapping because I'll have the plot structure, the um, the 3X structure and whatever on my floor and I'll have the, the, the line set up. And so I'll put like a note card of, this is the climax. This is what's happening. These are the characters involved. And then I sort of jump back to the beginning of like, well, where does their story start? How do they get there? And so then I'll just start writing note cards down and I'll put them, I'll throw them on the floor and then I'll write a few more things of like, hey, this is an event that needs to happen to get them from here, from A to Z. So let me just start writing whatever events I think of and then I'll throw them down on the mat. I'll throw them down on my floor in the rough outline of the plot structure. And then I will build it from there. And yeah, sure, these things are note cards, so they're going to get shifted around. I don't ever tear them up, but I do, you know, throw them across the room if I don't need them for this. If if they no longer fit in with the story that I want to tell. Oh, you're you're out. Thanks. There we go. Yeah. So just uh, just toss them and, and collect them later. Just yeah, focus yeah. on what you need. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Do not tear um, up those note cards. No, no, I have a thing. Well, I don't, I don't write so much on, on, uh, actual note cards anymore. That was part of my process. Now there's a, uh, I use this, uh, uh, app essentially, um, available online. So you can use it through the website without the app. I, I prefer the way the app works, but it's, it's called dabble, mm. dabblewriter.com. Cool. And, uh, it's specifically for writing manuscripts, but from like, from from inception all the way to like I need to print out a manuscript to send to somebody. So like uh, it has a an index card uh, uh, 
side to it that connects directly to every scene in your actual manuscript. So like you can have your notes for each scene and if you decide to move your notes for that scene, the scene moves with it in the, in the manuscript. Yes, yeah, so I have. I have uh, plain white note cards for the events themselves. I have colored note cards depending on the character that's involved. So that's how I, I used to do these, it. Uh, sticky post-its for like overall arcs that I want the characters to go through, themes, etc. Yeah, I used to do it like that too. I used to have uh, different colors for different purposes, and and now I've sort of like you know streamlined it into that one thing because that way I, I'm working on my I always feel like I'm working on my manuscript mm -hmm. even when I'm like oh I got to go back to my outline and like where it's all just the manuscript you know what I mean yeah. it's, so I it's think very awesome. and I think in a very analog manner where I need something tactile I'll write down the note cards and then I transcribe them onto my computer yeah and in doing so like I feel like I try and build out from there so it's like oh you know I'm writing down so and so has a conversation with somebody, and then I'll, I'll, as I'm transcribing from the note card onto my computer, yeah. I'll be like, "Oh, well, this is exactly what they say. Here's a couple of lines for that." And yeah. so that's where I get that 40-page outline that I. And that I, I still think. carry like a notebook around to like jot ideas, and then like mm -hmm. tra you know trans transcribe transcribe them later into the uh, into the computer. Um, so, but ne but never throw that stuff away. You keep a scrap heap, you know, mm -hmm. because when you whenever you're uh, you know blocked on a story or you can't come up with your next idea or whatever it is you can just sift through all the garbage that you threw away and you're like oh look at this thing it's like a little diamond in the rough here let me use that it's funny i'm actually the opposite so you plan using the app you plan outlining using the app and then you carry notebook with you in case you have some ideas i'm the opposite i plan using those note cards and then when i'm out and about i have my phone on me and i'll create a google event and i'll just type whatever idea I have down there, a character, event, uh, a dialogue, conversation, a theme that I want to do, or just a yeah. random one-line sentence that will mean something to me later on. So I use, yeah. I use a digital format for, for I, on the I, planning. To, to be honest, if I ever find myself in that situation where I don't have my, yeah, it, I have a notepad on my phone as well. There's plenty of notes in there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Whatever you, you whatever is close by to, <laughs> to get the job done, I guess, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> right on, man. Um, so was there anything in particular that you really wanted to cover on Livestream Sunday that we didn't get to? I don't think so. There were a lot of good questions. They did ask me some stuff about SBTT, so yeah. I could expand on that. I think I gave an answer about how you should set up a, set up a newsletter, but it's also what what. Uh, so SBTT self publishing tips and tricks is another podcast I do in addition to my normal weekly podcast. It's a joint co effort uh, on Shannon Se Houston's YouTube channel, and she did. I think it's also She's available awesome. on yeah podcast Spotify along with Morgan Lee. So it's organized by Se Houston. And we interview self-published authors. And I think my answer was very quick. I didn't really expand on it, but it was more about how I don't do enough marketing for myself. Mm. And a lot of these specific ideas that can help expand my reach. So it's not just it's not just social media, it's also other platforms that I can use to use the assets that they have such mm. as amazon ads there were facebook sort of hit and miss. ads, facebook stuff, ads yeah. yeah so so there's there, there's a bunch of different ads that i can do but it's also there are some free things that i can do um obviously networking on on youtube so when i 
do uh, officially publish my book. Expect a whole lot of collabs to, 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 to go out. When you publish your book, I would absolutely love to have you on my channel. So I'll hold you to that because I'm going to do the rounds, man. I'm going to go, go on everybody's. I'm gonna and go like I said, I, I the way I record is well in advance. So I have 10 nice. episodes fully queued up between now and then, but I can easily throw one in there. Um, you know, jump, jump the line. So <laughs> Don't say it can be more, more update. I'll, I'll cut that up. <laughs> no, no, no. Jumping the line. <laughs> no. Well, no, no. That, that, maybe. No, no, no. So it's, 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 <laughs> my own, it's my own videos. I'm not really. It oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not jumping the line on other people. You're jumping yeah, the line yeah, on other yeah, videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what's funny is I started this whole channel in the interest of promoting myself and my writing and getting people interested in what I do so that they'll buy my book when it actually comes out. But the problem with that is that I don't like talking about myself. I find it very, very awkward and I would much rather talk about more interesting people like yourself. Sure. And, and so I ended up interviewing people on this channel. And so I don't talk about myself quite as much as I probably should if I want to build readers in my... <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, talking I about the full platform. We'll go through your methods. We'll, we'll we'll do the works. I have a I have a show on the channel called Chronicles, but I almost never make episodes for it because I'm always working on live stream Sunday or this or the other yeah. thing. So you know, I got the Breaking Bad videos. I got like I, I got to make some time for Chronicles because like that book's coming out this year, man. Yeah, Are you yeah, just I am. It's, it's <laughs> I. I I really do like sci-fi. I know I said that I prefer you know watching sci-fi versus reading it, but like I do have a core. Uh, uh, love of sci-fi. So. Of course, of course. Yes, See, Timothy's on right here. And that's the interesting thing. Gotta love the Star Wars novels. That's the interesting thing is that I, I agreed with you that I prefer to watch uh, sci-fi movies and read fantasy books, but my book is a sci-fi fantasy. The world is a sci-fi world, and and I, I I love it. I you know I wouldn't change anything about it. So like it's you know. And the thing is that all my that's that's what I think is going to make my flavors interesting is that my influences for sci-fi come from the movies and my influences for fantasy come from books and I'm marrying those two into this novel mm -hmm. with intention of making it cinematic like I want to make my novel as cinematic as possible. I want to be able to walk into a, a Hollywood exec's office and slam that book on the table and be like pay me my money and make that movie, you know what I mean? Nice. Cuz cuz I'm trying to be I mean, a realist. You got some words. You can split it up into two. So pay me money for both movies. Hey man, go to HBO, make it a series. This is the next Game of Thrones. Here you go. Have you know? Have fun or whatever it is. Because it's like I know I want to be known as a as a novel writer. I want to be an, an author, uh, but I also want to feed my children and pay the bills. And I yep. know that that that's not necessarily the way to do it. So I, I'm I'm going for the twofer. I'm going to be my my uh, you know the author. I'm going to put out my book. But then I'm gonna try to sell that thing to a movie studio because that's where the big bucks are. Even if the movie flops, I'm already paid. You know what I mean? Like I'm not worried about it. <laughs> I'm writing more books. It'll be fine. <laughs> hey man. Uh, so I to do a, more marketing in addition to uh, self-publishing tips and tricks. I'm also doing a joint podcast YouTube channel called Scripting the Book. Where we okay. compare books and their, you know, books to movies, and then we sort of compare and contrast. 
And one of the movies that we're doing, or movie slash books that we're doing next on that channel, okay. sorry, I do it with um, Nia the Vixen of Fiction, Morgan Lee again, because she's awesome, and Natalie Locke, so it's the four of us, plus a story guest like Zara Hoffman, etc. But the next one we're doing is Twilight. So if that movie and book can be made, um, yeah, there's hope for all of us. <laughs> there's hope for all of us. Uh, yeah. What about uh, Fifty Shades of Grey? I'm telling you, there's hope for all no. of us. <laughs> Although I did mention uh, you, in the episode that I just recorded, so to give you a timeline, tomorrow is the... Tomorrow, my episode on music inspirations comes out. Okay. I record that the first cool. week of January, and then I just kept getting sidetracked. That one just kept me bumped and bumped and bumped and bumped. Oh, Usually, no. it's about two months. Yeah, it sounds it, like a it's, good one. Put it out. <laughs> it's it's my own videos. I'm coming out with videos each week, but like some of them, you know, the the time doesn't fit right. I wish I had a backlog like that, dude. I keep telling, well, I keep saying that I'm going to do it, and I never do. If you, if you watch my video on setups, I explained that the whole reason why I did that was because I wasn't comfortable with my setup and because I had to manually adjust in editing because the recording software I was using like exponentially got more and more out of sync with the audio and visual. So I had to manually go in there and like clip it by, um, by frame by frame to like adjust it and then cut it and then move and, and, and adjust the uh, the audio. So until I got comfortable with my own process and I've, I've fixed a lot of those issues, I was, you know, 15 episodes deep before I really was like, hey, I can do this. Um, and then I started going on vacation. And then life sort of gets in the way. So you go on vacation, you, you you go away from, you know, work picks up for a week or whatever. So you can't really record. And um, and so, you know, that, that 15 got is cut back to now about 10. By the end of the year, I'll probably be closer to five. So I'll be getting more and more aligned to like, yeah. I only really want like, three weeks in advance of, of, of upload schedule. Cause you just mentioned that, you know, you want to, um, oh, well, sorry. What, what did you just mention? Well, I, I mean, you that. do kind of want to be like cur sorry. current, so to speak, you know what I mean? Like you want to stay up with like what people are talking about yes. when, when you're putting out the video. So that's and another thing about backlogging. 50 shades of gray was influenced by, it was fanfic for twilight. And I just mentioned right. that. In, I keep forgetting that. And every time somebody tells me, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. So if you want to date my <laughs> episodes, I just mentioned that in the episode I recorded this week. So you can see how long it takes for me to for me to upload it from here. <laughs> yeah, see, we're recording this on Sunday. This goes up on Thursday. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, quick turnaround. <laughs> yeah, so I'm anticipating about two months because I'm also doing a couple of live streams and a couple of intermediate videos that will obviously be uh, bumped up in my ladder of, of uploads. So... Before we uh, we wrap up our show today, I want to talk about Zelda. Let's do big, it. I'm a big Zelda fan. Uh, I Why? have, I'll admit, I have only played the 3D platform games. I have not played any of the 2D ones. That's fine. So if we can limit our conversation to that, I will stay up with you, man. What, what do you got there? Oh, you son of a bitch! Look at that. <laughs> Look at the oh, Legend of Zelda so Encyclopedia. Good. That looks so cool. It looks. It like breaks the, the down cartridge. everything. Um, yeah, it breaks down all the games. All like all the characters, all the plots, what? all the, the makings of. It's 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 it, it says it. it's an encyclopedia. That's amazing, dude. That looks awesome. What? Yeah. So, which one is your favorite? What's your favorite? Ocarina of Time. Game? Ocarina of Time. Easy answer. Okay. What's your second favorite? Because everybody's favorite is Ocarina of Time. That's mine too. <sighs> That's a tough one. I I enjoyed Majora's Mask. I don't think it was my favorite. I enjoyed the. 
fan of Breath of the Wild, but I didn't really like how... I didn't feel that the, there is a story there, but I didn't feel that the story was something I connected to, and I really didn't like the temples. Um, the, the divine beasts. The yeah. divine beasts, and yeah. like you have these, you have 108 or 128 individual shrines. mini temples, the shrines yeah. that are basically just one off puzzles. And yeah, it's really cool mechanics, but, and the world is so much fun to explore, but once. There wasn't. It didn't feel like I a missed, Zelda. I, I missed the temples too. The, the, okay, so Ocarina of Time is the easy, easy answer for me. Yes. After that, for a long time, my favorite was Twilight Princess. I love Twilight Princess so okay. hardcore. When Breath of the Wild came out, it became the one that I, I can't to this day stop playing. I can't stop playing Breath of the mm -hmm. Wild. But like you, I agree that there are things about it that that make it an incomplete Zelda game for me, and the temples is one of them. I miss the temples. So I don't, don't. I don't mind the divine beasts, but I I need the temples to still be there. It I, I the divine beasts were not enough to replace them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I want like your your forest temple, your fire temple, your water oh, temple, man. all those. I, forest I, temple is always my favorite. I don't know why. I always fall in love with forest temple. Yeah, it's always so much fun. Uh, so but cute. in terms of the harder answer, I would say um, Legend of Zelda Oracle of Ages. Okay. That's on, one on of the Game 2D Boy. ones. Yeah, right. That's yeah. one of the 2D ones. Game Boy Color. So there's Oracle of Seasons where you change the season, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall. Right. And then Oracle of Seasons, you go back and forth in time. Um, it's one of my favorite things about the Zelda time. series. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. The, the, there's always a time element, is there? There's almost always a time element. Even or dimensions. Or, or dimensions. Like the past. Because even in Breath of the Wild, you could slow down time when you go into like, you know, like uh, uh, you're in the air and you're shooting arrows or whatever. That's because most of us don't have a good, a good enough coordination to, to, to save ourselves. Oh, no, I do. I do, man. Like, I, I, I'm so good at that game now. I mean, I'm not like the, the speedrunners that can clip through walls and shit. I hate that crap. Like, it's yeah. not playing the game. You're just breaking the game. But I, I, I love playing that game to the point where for breath of the wild i have to find new ways to make it challenging for myself i, I, I heard your whole adventure story that's that's a lot of fun you're, you're just a woodsman going off and saving the world i have without, to without saving I, the princess i yeah exactly like well, I, I even have a story like in my head for it as i as i play it um mm -hmm. when when you know after he, he wakes up in the shrine and he's hearing a voice right and that's crazy <laughs> it's crazy to hear voices um, yes, it's magic in this world, but he doesn't know that yet, right? So, like, I play it that way. I play it like, what if you really just woke up and you have no idea, and all of a sudden you're hearing voices and they're telling you to do stuff, and now you're fighting, you have to fight monsters, you have to complete these things. So, I get it to the point where when he gets to King Rome and, and he's explaining what happened and that he needs to go to speak to Impa, my character, my Link, is thinking... I guess I'll check it out because I don't know what else. Mm -hmm. Oh, lost it. Thank you. Uh, I So he's thinking, I guess I'll check it out because I don't know what else to do. But mm -hmm. I this isn't my idea. This is somebody. So he goes to Impa. And I love that they set this up. Impa asks you, she tells you, hey, like, I have stuff to tell you that the princess wanted you to know. But once I tell you, you're going to go out and, and do this crazy stuff. You need to know this is life and death stuff. If you're not prepared to do that, then maybe I shouldn't tell you. Come back when you're ready. And most people just click next and just keep her talking and go on. But me, that's where I bail. That's where <laughs> so, I'm like, oh, he has an out. 
she's giving him an out. She's like, if mm -hmm. you don't want to fight to the death to save the, the world, then don't listen to what I have to say. So Miley goes, okay, deuces. And he pieces out and he goes and he lives in the woods and he fights monsters and he, you know, he does his shrines, he does all that stuff, he gets stronger, and, but he never does the Divine Beast, he doesn't get those powers. And because he doesn't get those powers, the game is harder because you're going to get to the point where you have your, your silver levels and your gold levels if you're doing Master Mode, which I do. And it's just like, it's just so much harder to, to complete without those powers. So that's what I do. I try to like make it still challenging because I've played it so much. I'm waiting mm -hmm. for the sequel. It's time for the sequel. Agreed. And so that's one of the things I'm really looking forward with the sequel is it sounds so much more like it's going to be story-based instead of the open world. Yes, story. it sounds way and more story-based. I know they're going to put temples back because everybody said, complained. yo, where are the fucking temples? I know those temples are coming back for sure. So my playthrough, I was very similar to your woodsman style, where they said, oh, you know, go to Kakariko Village. Yeah. I, they're like, Kakariko Village is, what, the east or something of where you start yes. or whatever? East, northeast, yeah. yes. Yeah. So uh, I, I went southwest. <laughs> and we circled around the entire map. I had every single lookout point up. I had the entire map scoped out. Yeah. I had done, like, 50 or 60 of those, uh, the, those shrines. I... Explore basically every village except Kakariko Village. By the time, uh, by the time I went to him, <laughs> you're one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, I like it, man. I like it. Well, I was going to say, then there's Link to the Past, where you know you you start off you start off the adventure, and the very first thing your uncle tells you is like, "Hey, don't leave this room." So you, there's a there's a video of somebody just sitting there like, "This is the most boring game ever." Like. <laughs> Because you know, once you step outside, you find that everything's rainy, and that starts up the adventure. But yeah, until yeah. then, you, you don't you leave this room. Okay, and you just sit there, <laughs> and that's the whole playthrough. Like there's like a speed run, but <laughs> stay in this room. Okay, you just stays there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, man. Ocarina of Time, though. Like, there's just something about that game, isn't it? Like, it's everybody's answer for a reason. Because. For, for those of us who grew up in the 90s, we're used to the 2D world of Super Nintendo, of Genesis, of going from left to right, and that's it. And coming it into that, coming into Hyrule, it, you, first of all, you have Kokiri Forest, which, Kokiri is just Forest. A lot of, which is just a lot of fun, and you know, it's your introductory it. level. But then you come out into Hyrule Field, and it just feels so expansive. Yeah, even with huge games now like breath of the wild even now when 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 you replay it and it opens up you, it really does still feel like a massive world mm -hmm. because the the music the way that it comes in everything it just paints this picture of yo this is epic shit bro mm -hmm. <laughs> it was just sure. masterfully done i did not like majora's mask as much that's fair and everybody uh seems to really really like it now but i was well, not a big fan i I enjoyed it. I definitely liked it. I, I played it, yeah, let's say five years ago. I enjoyed it a lot more because I did like everything in it. My first playthrough, you know, I just sort of go through and I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. I was, I completely agree with you. I was disappointed in the final boss. Yeah. Um, the final boss is kind of a joke. And more than that, I, I, I was disappointed in the general mechanic of the game. The whole like three day cycle thing was annoying to me. It wasn't fun. It, you know I mean? it can be because you lose all your pro progress, you lose all your items every time you go yeah. through. You got to reget all your bombs, you got to get all your rupees, you got to reget all your arrows. Yeah, man, I'm not about that. Like I'm about like taking the journey from start to finish. Like I don't like this whole like loop. The the whole like uh, Groundhog Day element of it was just not not for me. But I, the thing about it though is, as 
dark of a Zelda game as it is, I should like it more because that's the stuff that I eat up like candy. You know what I mean? I love that the darker edge that a lot of these Zelda games have. Um, that's why I like Twilight Princess so much. It's one of the darker ones as well. But uh, you know, Twilight never did it for me. Twilight never did it for you. Is I'm it because sorry, of man. the beginning? Does it take too long in the beginning? I, I... It did take too long. I just <laughs> you, so every every uh, there were so many times where I was like, I don't know what I need to do. I don't know what we need to do, and I need to transform into wolf to find like those bees to then do like the little quick time Gosh. event where I kill all the kill all the shadows and then expand the world. And I just it that part definitely can get tedious. I get that. I get that. I can appreciate what people like in it. I just didn't enjoy it. Although the final boss fight, that was one that had it down. One one for the books, man. Just mm -hmm. and the other one that I really, really like is is the, the Wind Waker boss fight with Ganon. Yeah. Because both awesome. of those are real heavy on the uh, on the sword play. And I Although I just same thing with Breath of the Wild. I mean that one that felt like Yeah, but but you're not but you're not fighting a, another swordsman. You're just you're fighting right. a monster from the beginning of that one. And I, I, I do love that boss fight, it's great. It felt but, epic. It felt epic. It did, it did everything it was supposed to do. I'm, I'm not complaining about it, but I always feel like, you know, they've 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 established the whole Link Zelda Ganon thing, and it works so well. The whole Triforce thing works so well that when you don't get Ganon's sword against Link and sword, like it's just like something's missing for me. Just like for you with with, with the with the sh uh, the shrines versus the the temples and the dungeons and stuff. Like we miss that stuff. That's and classic that Zelda. That is my biggest complaint about Modora's Mask is that there's like the four main temples, mm. but I feel like they, I don't know how they would have put it in there, but I would have liked to have more temples, like more official temples in there. What are you looking forward to the most in the next Zelda game, the, the sequel that's coming out? Have a you story? Seen the yeah, a story. <laughs> and yeah, the, 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 so there, I, this is harsh, but there is there was a story in Breath of the Wild. It was yes. very well thought out, but I want... Well, it's it's a challenge. It's an interesting challenge for them to make a yeah, completely open world game that you can do in any direction that you want and make the story work. Their their choice was okay. The story already happened, and he's trying mm -hmm. to remember it. That's not going to jive with everybody. I I kind of dug it only because it uh, it it leaves the current game about exploration. Right. It's all about exploration. So even the story involves you exploring the world, and I kind of dig that about it. But it's very different, and it, didn't feel it shouldn't do it. Yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. It didn't feel personal because it wasn't about Link, and it wasn't about Zelda necessarily. It wasn't about Ganon. It was about the world of Hyrule, mm -hmm. and so I I get that, and I like it for that game. And now I want more. Like you, I want right. a story again. I want the, the next one to have a really cool, interesting, epic story. Because and it seems like they're going to. And and actually, if there's one thing I can say is I would love to play as Zelda. I. I they haven't shown us anything yet that suggests that that's going to happen in this game, but I can't figure out why I feel like it's going to happen. I think we're going to finally get it. I think we're going to get cool. a playable Zelda in this game. The way that I... I always said that I have an idea for a Zelda game, and we'll close out with this because this has turned into a Zelda podcast. No worries. There's nothing wrong with that, man. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. But still, um, I, got you. I have an idea for, for a Zelda game, and it's you start out as Link. And you are, you know, going on your adventure, and your adventure is you're supposed to go and, and you know, uh, save Zelda or whatever. You get to a point where you meet Zelda. Once you meet Zelda in the game, you have now unlocked her as a playable character. She has her own storyline. You can continue as Link, but you can start another storyline later 
another playthrough later as Zelda. Now, yeah. you were playing as Zelda, and your, uh, you know, uh, uh, what's it called? Your goal in this story is to overcome the darkness of Ganon with your light, right? So you play Zelda until you meet Ganon. Once you run into Ganon, now you've unlocked Ganon as a playable, as a playable character. And you try and kill the others. And you're going back, and now you can play as Ganon, where you're getting Ganon's like origin story, his rise to power, the why he wants to do what he's doing, and all along having to fight Link and Zelda along the way, or trying to stop him from accomplishing his goals. And that way, you have three playable characters, but it's still Legend of Zelda because it's still a one-person game. It doesn't turn multiplayer at any point or anything like that. But you can get all three stories that way. They that being said, like I hope we get some... a co-op in, in the new in the new Zelda, though. <laughs> yeah, they did something like that in Hyrule Heroes, where it's basically Dynasty Warriors, and you get that whole thing yeah. where you play yeah. Ganon. But you're right; that's that was more like the Dynasty Warriors setup instead. Yeah, of I want like a legit Zelda game where you can play as Ganon. Yeah. But I mean, and going back to Ocarina of Time, think about how much fun it would be to play as Zelda slash Sheik. Yes. Exactly my point, yes. Uh, Ocarina of Time, and that's the other one that I keep saying, like, they should not just, like, remaster it or, or again for 3D. They should remake that game because the story is incredible and the world, if you, you can expand that map and make it as big as the Breath of the Wild map, you could have a whole new version of Ocarina of Time and make not only Link a playable character, but Zelda slash Sheik. A playable character he's off screen whenever link is having adventures he she is having their own adventures as they right. should and, and that would be really fun i would love that and it'd be the most frustrating thing as zelda to try and you know coordinate to get link to do what you need him to do yes it, it's not gonna happen because the dude just doesn't he wants to smash fish. pots and stuff. he wants to fish yeah. yeah he wants to fish it's like link we have to no i'm fishing <laughs> i'll get to that i play that game <laughs> ben thank you so very much for being on my channel thank you for live stream sunday thank you for this the typewriters podcast it's been a pleasure please uh, say your goodbyes to the folks at home let them know what you got coming up down the pipeline well thank you for having me it has been a lot of fun i I'll, i always love talking about zelda talking about all my nerdy hobbies it has been so much fun hanging out with you and everyone else in the chat richard holiday was Hilarious Richard and Martin usual. were, yeah, they were, they were, they were uh, taking cheat shots at each other, which was, which was fun. But anyways, my name is Ben Pick. <laughs> I host videos every Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, usually, running to, as uh, YouTube.com slash running to write. Uh, not this week, but next week, there will be a slightly off schedule. So there'll be a live stream on Tuesday night. I post about the, when I don't post on a Monday night at 7 p.m., I make sure to make it as apparent as possible. It's usually because I'm doing a live stream the very next night. So I am working on my debut novel called Falling Through. And I am thrilled that I was able to hang out and talk to you today, Adrian. This was a blast. Dude, I was thrilled. This was great. Uh, we got to do it again for sure. And uh, hopefully, a little bit down the line, we can do your book for Tuber Book Club. We'll see. We gotta go through. Yeah, hey, I want to read. I want to read Tracker and Nightmare Tenant before I, before I get. Who, to whoever wins, the 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 other one will surely be in the next poll and mm. and has a shot again. So uh, yeah, it, it, it'll be fine. We're gonna get to all of them for sure. I can't okay. wait to read Tracker or Nightmare Tenant. I'm excited for both. Mm -hmm. Ben, 
thank you for everybody at home thank you for tuning in like comment subscribe all that good stuff shop at the store uh check out all the replays for everything um in the uh in the live stream sunday uh playlist as well as typewriters podcast i wanted to say and i forgot to say during live stream sunday next sunday we're getting a double feature we're getting a double two episodes of live stream sunday back to back one from four to five and another one from five to six we've got uh david hopkins from four to five and then we have uh, shelly tagielski from five to six uh, she wrote sitting down to rise up and we're going to talk to her all about that it's going to be dope so i hope to see you guys all there again thank you ben thank you everybody at home right on writers we out <laughs>